Welcome to Lifelines. This is John Augustine. Despite the fact that trial lawyers are such popular protagonists in movies and television dramas, few biographies celebrate the career of real-life defense attorneys. You could probably find a book each on Earl Rogers or Melvin Belli or F. Lee Bailey, though these names are on the fade. One lawyer, however, has inspired dozens of books, articles, studies, and movies. His ally, the muckraker, Lincoln Steffens, dubbed him the attorney for the damned, which is also the subtitle of John Farrell's biography of Clarence Darrow. Ironically, while our most famous lawyer spent a year at the University of Michigan Law School, he did not graduate and never earned a law degree. But it was an earlier time. Abe Lincoln never went to college and practiced law for 25 years. Darrell worked in his sleepy Ohio town for a while before ambition drove him out in 1887. The Ashtabula newspaper announced, C.S. Darrow has decided to locate in Chicago, the wickedest city in the United States. This was no small-town exaggeration. One Chicago mayor remembered the city fathers of the 1890s as a low-browed, dull-witted, base-minded gang of plug-uglies with no outstanding characteristic beyond an unquenchable lust for money. And that was just the politicians. Over the years, Darrow would defend a forger, a wife poisoner, a real estate con man, even Frank Lloyd Wright, along with such full-time gangsters as Bugsy Moran, Three-Fingered Jack White, and The Yellow Kid. Farrell likes the Emma Simpson case so well, he tells it twice. During her divorce hearing, Emma drew a gun and shot her husband down in front of the judge. Informed by the court clerk that she had killed him, she responded, well, I certainly hope so. Darrow convinced a jury to let her go, in part because her husband had been a scoundrel and she was a widow. But he was also a potent voice for progressive legislation, working with reformers like Jane Addams to limit child labor, establish a 12-hour day for women factory workers, and ban sweatshops. He was present at the creation of both the NAACP and the ACLU. His outer office was invariably filled with men in overalls, their arms in slings, and huddled women in threadbare clothes. He became the nation's leading labor lawyer when labor was fighting to establish itself. Darrow defended such early heroes as Eugene Debs and Big Bill Haywood, whom he saved from the hangman. His efforts helped save the movement during the Great Coal Strike of 1902, which Samuel Gompers called the most important battle in labor's struggle. But Darrow was no saint. He could be a temperamental cynic, shocking his more idealistic friends. Certainly he was a serial philanderer. The most venomous personal observations in the book are from his law partner, Edgar Lee Masters, one of the era's better-known poets. At the lowest point of his career, Darrow was caught trying to bribe a juror. Labor agitators had exploded dynamite at the Los Angeles Times building, killing 20 newspaper workers. I dread the fight, Darrow wrote a friend. If I could avoid it, I would, but how can I? The plot had been led by the McNamara brothers, both charged with murder and facing execution. Darrow secured a prison sentence for both of them, but he was himself arrested on the bribery charge, which would have destroyed his career. After a two-year court battle, he emerged free, broke, and disgraced. And his two most famous cases lay before him. 
Whole books have been written about the trial of Leopold and Loeb, their cold-blooded murder of a neighbor boy that shocked America, and the monkey trial against William Jennings Bryan in Tennessee. Farrell gives a good summary of both, calling the day when Darrow challenged Bryan on biblical literalism the most memorable session of any American legal case ever. After these two events, Darrow could have tried any case in the country for a huge fee, but he worked for a year to save a black man in Detroit whose house had been attacked by a white mob. In the melee, one of the crowd had been killed and the charge was murder. James Weldon Johnson witnessed Darrow's seven-hour closing argument to the jury and called it the most wonderful flow of words I ever heard from a man's lips. Darrow was 68 and his client's acquittal was his last historic victory. All I know, he had written, is that through constant agitation for more justice, something comes. This program has been Lifelines. I'm John Augustine.